And family, this is truly a, a treat that pastors have blessed us with. We have a combined over 40 years of professional medical health um, experience here in front of us with our panel. So we are in for a treat. We've got some thought-provoking questions and they have some thought-provoking insight. So um, I'll invite our panel up. Um, Mo, Diana, Nershawn, please come up and join me on the stage and let's go ahead and get into this conversation. Family, welcome them as they come. Make them feel this esteemed panel of nursing professionals. Yes, the lady in the middle. Thank you. Thank you, Nurse Mo. All right, family, we're gonna maximize our time and get right into the conversation. But before we do, I wanna allow our panel to introduce themselves. Um, Nurse Sean, we'll start with you. You have over 20 years um, as experience as a nurse practitioner with a specialization in critical care. Can you? Give us a little bit of insight into your expertise and your experience. I was originally an uh, army medic, a combat medic in an infantry battalion, and that's where I first acquired my love of medicine and medical science. Uh, I, I knew right away that I wanted to work in critical care medicine. I was an ICU nurse for eight years uh, before becoming a nurse practitioner. Uh, I now specialize, I, I do specialize in critical care medicine uh, with with subspecialties in uh, neuro, neurosurgical critical care, uh, cardiovascular vascular surgery, and uh, general surgery. Wealth of experience. Thank you, Nurse Sean. Um, Nurse Diana, please give us some insight into your specialization. You have about ten years of experience. Tell us your specialization. Hi, good morning, I'm Diana. Um, I'm currently a registered nurse in an uh, emergency room. Um, I did start off as an LPN and I climbed my way up. So I've gone from the nursing home, so I've gone from one um, scope to now emergency. Um, so yeah, we, special, we do a lot of um, stabilizing. Um, so if you're coming in for chest pain, things of that nature, that's more so my field before we ship from here to shine here. We stabilize them, screen them, um, rule out anything serious or take care of anything serious before we refer you to the best resource. Smoke, please, over about 15 years of experience, please give us insight into your specialization. 12. <laughs> All right, I'm giving you extra experience. Um, my specialization is in, um, it's also in critical, critical care. Um, currently I'm working in a, uh, in a trauma center, um, where we deal with, um, you know, car accident or people falling off buildings, things in that nature. Um, I first started medicine because when I was, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a, um, I wanted to be a doctor. But, you know, when I came to United States, I, that wasn't really the best plan for me at that time. So one way for me to do that is to be a nurse until eventually the goal is to be a nurse practitioner. Um, so that way I can continue providing care, especially with um, my mission in life is one day able to go to Haiti and go to the most remote part and, and and provide them free health service. Wow. Um, 
but currently um but currently right now to tie in what i do they came and see her first and then they go to sean and after they go to sean then sean tell me what i need to do and then i go ahead and do it <laughs> to tie it in. That sounds like a good plan. Uh, so, Nershad, I want to kind of start with you um, with the conversation. Obviously, your, your specialization is in some of the most critical incidents that, that people face. Um, but if we look at things from a preventative perspective, you know, as Pastor was kind of talking about um, getting, being proactive in your health, what are some of those like basic components, basic things that as in our everyday lives that we should be mindful of if we're talking about preventative care? You know, uh, avoiding coming to the hospital in the first place, having to come to the hospital in the first place is, is, is cr critical. You don't ever want to end up in the hospital. Right. I assure you, don't ever. And, and some of you have loved ones that have, uh, or, or yourself who have been through the medical process and, and it's complicated and difficult and there's a, a lot of room for complications. So, um, but to, to your question, um, diet and exercise, that's the simplest thing you can do. And, and if, you, if you make that a priority, just like you do brushing your teeth, you're like, okay, I, you cannot go a day without brushing your teeth. Well, I can't, I, you cannot go a day without getting some type of exercise in just 30 minutes of exercise, you make it a priority. And then, you, you know, the, the phrase, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? And, it, and, and when it comes to, to your health, it's, it's huge. Um, so just eating healthy, exercising, making those priorities, just like brushing your teeth. That's great, Nershan. But as you can see, we have a, a, a room full of vibrant, healthy young people that we don't have to deal with that right now, right? What's the importance of having to focus on these things right now? Because it's coming. <laughs> What's coming, Nershan? <laughs> What's coming? Aging, it, uh, you will age. You either age or you stop aging. And, and so you, you need to take care of yourself. So what you do now is gonna set you up for your future. And you can be you can be a 70-year-old grandparent who can run and play with your grandkids who's like who can be active. If you set yourself up now, you can you you can set yourself up for for being an active person. You could you could be just as fit as someone in their 20s and 30s. That's, that's really powerful insight. And, and Nurse Diana, um, I know one of your passions is screening as it relates to preventative care. Talk about screenings, the type of screenings we should be focused on and at what age should we start to think about these things? Um, yes, I agree. Screening is very important. Um, we get people all the time that saying, that come to a hospital and like, I don't have hypertension, what are you talking about? Your blood pressure is 190 over 102, I'm not sure. Um, I don't have hypertension. Well, when's the last time you've been to a doctor? I don't like doctors, I haven't been about 10 years. So we don't know if you have hypertension. So that's why it's very important where you come to a hospital because you don't want it to get to a point where your blood pressure is 200 over, 200 over, one, uh, over 110 and now we're having to 
get, pump you with medication to get your blood pressure back down. Whereas if you would have took your medication or gone to the doctor to do your screening, to know what's going on, then you would know. So we get people all the time, like you might look at me and be like, she's healthy. We don't know that. You don't know internally what's going on. People, we get a lot of misconceptions like, I walk, I talk, I wake up every day, I can stretch, I'm healthy. So you don't know. A lot of times too, we have a family history of things. Whereas um, you'll get somebody that's very fit, working out every single day, but because of family history, they're predisposed to heart conditions. Mm -hmm. They're predisposed to kidney. Uh, so let's take sickle cell, for example. I, I do everything I'm supposed to do, but I have a family history of a sickle cell trait. So staying extra hydrated for people like that is essential. Getting checked, getting screened is very essential. We talked about screening and what age. So I'm perfect, I, well, ideally I'm perfectly healthy, but I do have a family history of breast cancer. So because of people like, uh, because my family history, it's important that I get screened, um, like mammogram wise, I get screened earlier than most people. So they do recommend around 40 to start getting screened for mammograms. Um, and for males, as far as prostate, it's around 50 years old to start getting screened. But if you have like a family history of it, it's essential that you go to the doctor prior, that you do your self-checks, your screenings at home. Um, also for prostate cancer, things like that, like uh, Sean would say, preventative care, taking fiber, making sure that you have a diet rich in fiber. Um, so that way you are going to the bathroom to prevent things from happening. Um, taking in plenty of water, taking in plenty of fiber, a good healthy diet to prevent things from happening and going to your doctor. I understand the doctor is not our favorite place to go. <laughs> Nobody wants to miss work. Yeah. So for somebody to tell you, your BMI is high. I get told my BMI is high all the time. I don't want to hear nobody tell me that I'm fat. But at the same time, I do want to know, hey, I need to go, go for a walk. My BMI is 10 points where it's supposed to be. Let me go for a walk. It gives you that reminder. I don't want to have to, hey, my head has been hurting for the past couple of days. And that's when I find out you have hypertension when I could have um, done the screen prior to that and figure that out and took care of that. And hypertension is known as the uh, silent killer. Hmm. It's a silent killer because you don't have symptoms. Like they, there's no symptoms typically associated with high blood pressure, so you don't know until you get it checked out. And um, speaking, speaking back off the um, hypertension, I remember um, when I when I became a nurse, um, I used to go to um, Emmanuel Baptist Church. So I decided to do a, a screening at the, at the church. And um, when I did the screening, there was one, um, there was a, uh, there was one of the church members that was there. His blood pressure was maybe 210 over 95. But I knew it was over 200. And I asked him, hey, you, um, you should go to the ER right now. He said, no, I'm, I'm okay. And pretty much I said, do you feel like you have headaches? Sometimes I said, yeah, I've been having headaches for the past six months to a year. And 
I told him you should go to the ER right now and I also um, let people that cares about him within uh, within the church to uh, to take him there and um, unfortunately he didn't go and um, I don't think much time went by and then he 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 died and that could have at that time when he went, potentially it could have been avoided him dying. We don't know. But the thing about blood pressure is that if your blood pressure is high, most likely there's also underlining diseases. And especially if you, majority of people in here are African-American. If you're African-American, most of the time, if you have high blood pressure, a lot of time, the first thing that's gonna start going is your kidneys. Your kidney is gonna start going. You probably not urinating as much as you can, or you urinating too much. But that's gonna be the first one to affect. Next thing you know, you're in dialysis. When you're in dialysis, you're only counting your days. To be quite honest, the average life expectancy after initiation of dialysis is about six to eight years. So I do want you uh, to know to to pay attention to your body. Like he said, the person's been having headaches for six months to a year. Pay attention, that's not right. I start to see little specks, that's off. Any new worsening conditions, pay attention to it. You know your body better than me, better than Sean, better than Mo. We're secondhand. So you notice things like, hey, um, I'm starting to get a little dizzy when I stand up. Those are things that you have to be aware of, being aware of self. Absolutely, and, and you, you bring up a great point. You know, listening to your body, um, medicine is supposed to be collaborative. So you can, you can best take care of yourself through listening to yourself, you know your body, and then also with a, a medical professional, a physician, nurse practitioner, PA, um, and, and nurses. Um, so, it, when they're in concert with each other, like that's when the best medical decisions can be made. So listen to your body, make sure you tell your medical provider when, when your body is, is giving you little warning flags. Don't lie. <laughs> because a lot of time you know. It's gonna be we know, one. and we also know you're lying, <laughs> number one, because whatever you send is not, that's not what we're getting back from whatever report, lab reports that we, we are getting. You, you know, when your uh, five-year-old tells you, oh no, dad, I didn't do that, and you're like, come on. Like, and they're like, like, dad, how did you know? How did you know? It's yeah. like, I've been around for a minute, okay? <laughs> all, all it's doing is, is, is um, delaying the care that you can, you, can, you can receive. Because one of the biggest issues that I'm seeing right now, um, and I'm, only, I'm speaking to things that I know, a lot of time when older Haitians go to the hospital, they line. <laughs> and that's just the truth <laughs> right you know it's, it's funny but it's true a lot of times people tend to cover up just a little bit because they don't want us to judge we're not here to judge you Absolutely. we're here to figure out what you need to get you there so if you're not telling me that 
uh, hey, every now and again, I pop a Percocet and I'm giving you a medication that could affect you, it's gonna affect you. It's yeah. your emergency. We don't judge. Our it's part of our code of ethics is we don't we don't we're not there to judge you. We are there to to help get you better. We are on your side. Okay, well, these three strangers are just all in our business this morning. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, I, I want to kind of um, I want to give a little bit more perspective into you know we talked a lot about you know going to the doctor for the you know being collaborative, asking the right questions, but I don't know if if many of you have experience. I know I certainly have, but. I feel almost like a cattle in a massive giant wheel of in and out. The the overwhelm that the doctor is experiencing, um, the, the the wait times, the 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 long the prolonged months to see certain specialists sure. can be very very daunting yeah. to people who want to be preventative, but there's so many cumbersome loopholes to go through to actually see the doctors. Any insight on how we can navigate a very complex and cumbersome medical system in our country? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and um, I I think part one one uh, helpful piece is having a family member that can advocate for you, um, having someone at your side, because you don't you know you may not remember all the complex medical jargon that that you know, your physician told you. So if you have someone by your side who can, who can advocate for you and, and, and maybe realize that you need something, sometimes it takes a third party to, to and someone that cares about you. And, and especially in the hospital setting, you definitely need it in the hospital setting. If you have a family member who works in healthcare, that's huge, that's huge. Let them be your advocate, yeah. Um, I would also include um, insurance, knowing your policies, things like that, Me even Medicaid. A lot of times we'll get people that be like, I can't see a specialist because I have Medicaid. The, it, those things are put in place for you to use them. So a lot of times in the hospital we'll give you a discharge for a follow-up for a cardiologist, a GI doctor, whatever the case may be. And it may not be covered under your insurance. We don't know that. So I know for myself, I've had to do that personally where I've had to contact my insurance. They're like, hey, I need a, a, a primary care doctor. Your insurance job is to also help you find uh, the, the referrals or the specialists that you may need. So use your resources. We have community resources. Knowing your resources also helps you to navigate where you can find the care that you may need. Um, my, my thing is right now on, on that, there's a, um, there's a shortage in general of, of healthcare post, um, personnel in the United States. So that kind of delayed the time in a lot of situations, especially when you are in the, in the hospital. But um, one thing you can do is, if, for example, if you go to the, um, to the hospital and you know you need to schedule a follow-up, don't wait till the next day to schedule the follow-up because waiting the next day is the difference between you having a time scheduled seven days from now compared to a month from now. Mm -hmm. And um, like Sean said, make sure you have someone that can advocate for you, especially for um, 
especially for women that are that are pregnant because it can you know um when you when you're giving birth to a baby that's uh you know it's a it's a big deal so in a lot of time the the mother is just focusing on the on the child and then I focus on everything that's going on outside. So you on the outside, if you see something that's not right, speak up. Don't don't withhold it. If you need to go outside and scream it from the mountaintop, do it so someone can come in there and do what they need to do. And then you are about the rest later. And as far as knowing your your insurance, you sh everyone should have insurance. But if you don't have insurance. There are things available in the community where you can still get the care you need. For example, um, Orange Blossom on OBT and um, West Colonial, there's a clinic there, it's free. And there's multiple clinics like that that are free where, they, where you can go there and just get the care, the basic care that you need. I know because once upon a time, I've used that service for like a good two years. I, I couldn't afford health insurance. That's why I used to go and get my checkup every every three months. And there's there's one in um like in the Okoye area, there's one by Ivy Lane, and there's one in Apapka, they too far. Is the um they they too far the community. So if you a simple Google search will take you to those places. You might have to get up early and go stand in line before you see somebody, but they are the, doing those basic things on top of things that you're doing at home to prevent you from going to a um, to the hospital. Uh, oh, two things I want to add um, about resources. I know there's a lot of parents in the building. Um, we get. I work at Health Central. It's not a pediatric hospital. So whatever hospital you go to, we'll always be here for you. We'll always stabilize you. But knowing your resources, too, also helps. So we'll get a lot of children that come in. It's just like, okay, this child needs to go to a pediatric hospital that specializes in X, Y, and Z. So if you know... Uh, the specialist hospitals or specific hospitals for children, for women. For women, we have Winnie Palmer. Um, Sean probably could tell you a little bit more about Advent's resources, but also knowing where to go to get the help that you need. As far as, hey, APH or Arnold Palmer is for specifically for children. Winnie Palmer is specifically for women and babies. Those are the places that you would go for that. A lot of times we'll get parents and they're like, I had no clue that. We don't, you guys don't specialize in pediatrics. It's like, yeah, if your kid is severe, we have to transfer them out. Another thing, too, is um, uh, Mo talked about um, advocates and Sean as well. Um, I'm Haitian. I'm from a, uh, I'm first generation in America. A lot of times we get people with language barriers. We know the times right now, we have a lot of people coming in from Mexico, Chile, Brazil, Haiti, that don't, do not speak the language. So it's important that we have advocates that can speak for them. And another thing is we'll get people that come in and they're afraid because they, they fear they won't get the help that they need. There's always translators. There's always resources. So never be afraid to come to the hospital. Never be afraid to bring somebody with you if you don't fully understand. I speak English, but there's terms that I don't understand. Have that advocate with you that could be explain it better to you or that could say, I don't know what gastrointestinal is. Can you please explain it in a different way so that way I can get it? 
in Creole, there's no, like sometimes there's no translation for it. So having that person there for you or having that translator there for you that can translate it so that way you can understand it is very important as well. Powerful, thank you. Thank you for that insight. Um, I did want to, as we build upon that and, and as we wrap up also, um, Nurse Mo, as we talked about advocacy, I know one of your areas of passion is related to elder care and geriatric care and planning for end of life. Um, could you give us some insight on, you know, I know I have aging parents. Can you give us some insight on how we can best care for aging parents and be their advocate for, uh, for end of life care? Oh, Sean. Thank you. Thank you, oh, Sean. Yeah. So, I, it, advanced directives are a, a crucial part of, of someone's health care. Um, and what that is, is it's decisions that someone, so say you're not able to make decisions for yourself. Something happens to you where you're incapacitated. You're not, you're comatose, you're what, whatever. You're sick, you can't speak for yourself. This advanced, this legal document says what you would want done should you not be able to make decisions for yourself. And all too often, uh, people don't have one of these in place. And it's, it's, it's wise, especially when, when you start to get in your uh, middle age years, to have an advanced directive in place. Say, I would want, if, if I were on a ventilator, um, I would want everything, I would want everything done. I would want, you know, all life support measures done. Or you say, you could have it say, I, if, I was going to, um, if my condition was terminal, then I wouldn't want to be kept alive. Or if I wasn't going to have a, a quality of life, then I wouldn't want to be on life support if, I, if, if that meant I was going to have poor quality of life. So you can have a legal document that says this. And not only that, make sure you communicate this with your loved ones, what you want done. Um, should you not be able to make decisions that way? Because they're the ones that are going to be speaking for you. They are, and if they, and all too often, they don't know. They don't know. Um, yeah, so what Sean was saying, middle age, I'm 30. That's almost middle age, right? So <laughs> even myself, young kids die every day. Middle age people die every day. It's important to have these conversations with your family as well. I'm 30 years old. I don't want nobody jumping on my chest. I'm sorry. That's my personal choice, but I don't want nobody jumping on my chest. But my family knows that as well, and I have a living will. So communicating that with your loved ones, having that in place, because no matter what age you are, we, you know, things do happen. And you can select a, a medical power of attorney. Like one person, if you trust one person, say you've got, you know, you have like three kids, you know, one of them's crazy, one of them, no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, but, but you know, you have one that, you have one that trusts, and you know that they have, that they're gonna, that you, your, your um, values are aligned with what you want done, then, you know, you can elect that person as your medical POA, have them sign a legal document, giving them medical power of attorney, should you not be able to make decisions for yourself, yep. Unfortunately, that that is our time. Any final any final words um, from uh, from our panelists before we wrap up? Uh, Nurse Merle, I'll start with you. Anything you want to leave with the people? Um, uh, to wrap up, you know, take care of yourself. Two things, um, you know, um, be active and eat well. When I say eat well, stop eating processed food. 
And when I say be active, at least try to go to the gym for 30 minutes, at least three or four times a week. That's not a lot. Three or four times a week, 30 minutes, and stop eating bad, bad food. Because those are really the main things um, um, killing us or making you becoming my customer. Well, I don't want you guys to be my customer. <laughs> but the more bad decision you make, the more you become my customer, unfortunately. That's, it's, unfortunately, healthcare is a business. So every time you make a bad decision, <laughs> you're pushing yourself towards becoming a customer. Just think of it that way. Think of it, I don't want to be a customer, so let me go ahead and start taking care of myself. I'd be thrilled yes. if you put me out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> and number two, I'm big on community um, health. And one, one thing to do that is, does, if you know what the AED is in this hospital, or raise your hand. And if you don't know what AED is, don't raise your hand. Or if you don't know where it is, don't raise your hand. But if you know where an AD in this church is right now, I said hospital, I don't know why, I'm thinking hospital. Yeah. If you know where an AD is in this church right now, raise your hand. That is one of the most important things we can do to save life. We need to figure out where an AD is. Because when I came in today, that's one thing I was looking, I couldn't find. Like, I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys know about um, LeBron James' son that had, the, um, that had the heart attack, pretty much. And the 80s what saved his life. That's a so defibrillator. If, yeah. That's a defibrillator. Mm -hmm. So if everyone know where this is, someone were to pass out right now, the first thing we're going to do is check for a pulse. And second, is going to say, can someone go grab an AD? And if we don't know where it is, those are critical moments that's passing. So that's really my final words I'm living with that. Thank you, Nurse Mo. Uh, Nurse Diana, final words. Um, resources are very important to me. Education is very important to me. So educating, um, getting educated about your body, knowing your body, getting screened, going to the doctor, it's okay. The doctor, we're not, the, I hate getting my blood drawn. I hate getting my blood, blood drawn too, but guess what? If you could tell me ahead of time, that I could stop this from happening, I'm gonna go to the doctor. I'm gonna get that one little poke and we're gonna be done. So screening is very important. Um, also, Mo talked about AEDs, that's very important. You don't have to be a healthcare provider to take CPR classes, I'm not sure if you know that. If you're a parent, you should take a CPR class. It's like 60 bucks. There's plenty of places, American Heart Association, places that do it. It's not gonna hurt you to know CPR, to know how to save your loved one's life. Um, um, advocacy, um, getting somebody that can vouch for you, can speak to you if you speak another language, knowing where to find your resources. There's doctors that speak Creole, there's doctors that speak Spanish, there's places that can help you without insurance. Don't, don't let that be a crutch from you getting the help, the screening that you need. That's right, you get one shot at this world, so do it right. You know, yeah. Yeah, and also water and fiber. Those are two very important things <laughs> that you don't think about. Get plenty of fiber, get plenty of water to go along with the foods that you eat and the movement that you need. You'll be surprised, it goes a long way. Wow. 
Rashawn, any final words? Um, the African American community has an understandable distrust in in med uh, the medical community um, after you know the Tuskegee experiments and and a lot of other things that have happened in, in this country's history. Um, that has been a barrier for, for us as medical providers to overcome and, and but we recognize that, you know. Um, it, what I can stress now is the medical community now is interested only in your, your well-being. That is the only thing we're interested in. And so having a collaborative relationship with your primary care provider is, is crucial to keep you out of the hospital. Just do, do all the little things you can to try to stay out of the hospital. But uh, that's all. Thank you. Can we give this panel a hand? Wow. This has been so valuable. To our panelists, thank you so much. Um, we're going to close everything out, so we, we'll invite you to, to step off, and, and thank you again. Let's, let's close it out. You can leave it on the chair. Let's give them another hand as they, as they exit. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you.